Welcome to the Code Life podcast with me, Nathan Blackaby, and my great mate, Carl Beach. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. Um, so let's talk uh, tattoos. Yeah, all right. Because you've obviously been working on a new one. Yeah. And I was saying to you, I think it's a good length where you can see, just start to see the tattoo under the yeah. T-shirt on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've I think obviously, so. You've obviously don't, gone... Don't hide it completely. No, don't hide it. I mean, I've got one that's uh, on my left arm. Yeah. It's Dale Optimo Maximo with a cross sword. Yeah. Which the, Carl uh, Bart used to put under his writing. Oh, really? God the best, the greatest. I've had that in many years. Cool. But this one I've been working on, well, I've got a couple. Yeah. I've got the X11 on my on back. Code. On the code by yeah. X11. Cool. And then this is a mix of Ephesians 6 and Psalm 144. It's quite a big mindset. Cool, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But I think you're right. I think... Um, Get it, mate. What are you going to do? you going to get one? Well, I, yeah. I've been thinking about it. I've tried to come up with a little design. I'd quite like one on the lower forearm there. Nice, oh, bold. That's what Andy Kine's got. Bold move. Yeah, he's got he's got good news in sort of Hebrew. Greek or, or Hebrew. Greek yeah. or a so, lot of people say... Go on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I want to go Yeah. Because they say it's uh, in the Bible, you're prohibited. Yeah. But Leviticus nineteen twenty eight is where they're referring to, okay. but they're not putting in context because actually, what God says is don't put marks on your body for the dead. Right. Do not cut your body to the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. So was there a culture of that then? Yeah, yeah, yeah marking yeah, yeah. the dead. Yeah, Rem- yeah, what remembering the dead? Jesus in Revelation comes back and says on his na- on his thigh is written King of King and Lords of Lords. Mm, that's a toe. It's a toe. So anyway, so what about the I one? Like them. Well, you've got grandma on your back, haven't you? Grandma? <laughs> remembering old Ethel. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's remembering the dead, isn't it? I ain't got that on my back. <laughs> I'm joking. Imagine if I did that. It'd be brilliant, wouldn't it, grandma? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I know, I'll put the X on one on there. It's like a brand. It's like a brand stamp. Yeah, I like that. You can get it, mate. Oh, we're going to offer that at the gathering, I think. Tattoo corner. Yeah, I think Swanee, he'd be up for it. My daughter might come along. Yeah, yeah. She's a tattoo, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. And a couple of other lads. Is, do Danny, you, her boyfriend. Do you see into on. the future a little bit? Do you see your daughter properly tattooed up? Like no, she's, get, she's getting a sleeve. Covered. Yeah, she's getting she's already got two. She's got a back piece and she's got she's got something on her ankle. She'll start doing them on herself though, won't she? She's like, done one on herself. Oh, is she? She's tattooed herself. Mate. No, but she's ferociously loves the Lord. Yeah. She loves her Bible, but she's a phenomenal artist. She is. discovered yeah, tattooing. Definitely. I think she's going to get a bit of a following, actually. Duran. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mates rates? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I've told her I don't want to pay for another tattoo. <laughs> but, you know, I think, mate, what are you going to do? Are you going to get one? Yeah, definitely. I just don't know what. Can you take the pain, mate? Um, what sort of pain level we talking well, about? Well, I think shading can compare hurt it, more. Compare it with something I would be able to recognise or feel. Mm. Um... Like falling off a bike, getting a rash? No, it's not like that. Is it more sustained, just consistent? Yeah, and your body tunes into Dull it. Dull pain. No. Like scratching? Um, or like a compass digging you? Yeah, imagine a compass being scraped along your arm. Oh, scraped? Yeah, like the pin being With scraped. With what sort of force and pressure? Like, like this. <laughs> <laughs> you big Jesse. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think I'm up for it. Oh, come on. No, it's great. Like, the outlines. My daughter had it done in the back. She's a she's a 20-year-old. Fair-skinned, slender, Yeah, but slim. I'm worried that... Oh. I'm worried that you get a tattoo and you go, oh, I don't like it. I wish yeah, I but that won't happen because they put the tracing on it first. Oh, and you live with that a little while, do you? No, you just look at it. All right. You just look at it. 
You go, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, but that's why I, I, I wouldn't have something done on my forearm. Wouldn't you? No. Why? Too visible. I don't think it suits me. I think the arm, the arm and the back's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think they look, it looks pretty good. Even my mum said. Really? Yeah, she, she said, show like? us the latest one. She went, I'm not going to, I mean, she, I think she thinks they're quite sexy, but it's a bit weird. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not right. <laughs> For your mum. No, yeah. she said, they do look good. They look good, they do, don't they? I mean, they do, mum, yeah. Your dad's not so sure. No? Huh? No, he's all right. Is he old school, no tattoos? No, I mean, a lot of his mates you know, right. in the police would have had tattoos, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. People call it army, but no, he's a no jewelry, no tattoos Just, kind yeah, of guy. But yeah, my mum's no. like, my mum likes Sons of Anarchy. You know, oh, she's yeah. like 80, she loves all that. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah, quite, quite good, mate. I would, I would like to. I just don't know what to have. I've tried designing some stuff. I've realised I'm becoming a cliche. I've got a shaved head, a beard, and tattoos. You know, and people, you're a biker. And I'm a biker. Yeah. I was chatting with someone the other day, actually. We did a men's breakfast. And a bloke was like, I remember Beachy. And he came to our church on a uh, fire blade. And, I mean, this is going back. This is like mm. 97. No, I don't know, 2000. No, we were in 2000 with the blade, yeah. 2000. And he was like, oh, and we could see he loves the Lord and a real evangelist. But it was a shock. You know, he turned up on his motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> Older guy. Yeah. Brilliant. Mate, I had this brilliant... Um, I had an email the other day talking about the old old school times. Yeah. I had an email um, from a bloke. You know you can get a bit... You ever got a bit fed up? Uh, you know, do you get a bit fed up with it? Normally every day. Yeah. At some point. It's this one bloke, Andy Roby, sent me a message saying I gave him a word from the Lord yeah. in 2007. Yeah. It was right for him to do what he was going to do, which is go to Indonesia to prevent logging. And it came, this this email came on Friday. Yeah. I've just driven six hours. Fed up. And I've been on the, mate, I've been on the road eight days. Yeah. Fed up. And I'm like, is this, is, is any of this bearing fruit? And he basically, he, he says, you said, yeah, this is, I believe this is of God, blah, blah, blah. And he said, I went. Then he said, it was an awful first year. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh no. Like my head was right down. Yeah. And he said, he took nine years, not three years as per my contract. But long story short, he got illegal logging uh, turned over in Indonesia. They've, they've boosted exports for $100 million a year. And he saved an area the size of the UK. And he, he got an award in the Queen's Birthday Honours List. And he went, amazing, during the tough it? times, what you said to me 12 years ago in Watford, held me in there. No way. And you just think, you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. we might be a couple of scruffy, tattooed up, bearded. Yeah. Well, you're not yet, but you will not be. Yet. You know, but That's hold amazing. the line. Hold the line, stay faithful. Yeah. And you, you don't know, do you? No, you like, never These know. little words you get and encouragements and turning up places and preaching. And it's amazing, isn't it? Hang on in there. Got to hang in there, haven't you, mate? It's encouraging that, mate. <laughs> Very awesome, encouraging. Mate. Save save my bacon. That yeah. Day, I was feeling a bit, oh. Right, fed up. Yeah, not like you know. But I know you get yeah. Well, I get like it. It's not you. Tiring, isn't it? Yeah, it's tiring. Yeah. But later on today, we'll have a lovely little glass of rosé. Yeah. So we'll just sit out in the sun. Talk about illegal logging. <laughs> uh, I got a book here. Have you ever done that? Illegal logging. <laughs> I think most of them. Are. Uh, Henry Marsh admissions. I've read a little bit from this before. Oh, this is the brain surgeon. Brain surgeon dude. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Back to the book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the brain cannot feel pain. 
Pain is a sensation created within the brain in response to electrochemical signals sent to it. Yeah, Did that. that. I, yeah, my my brain cannot feel pain. That yeah, a little bit. <laughs> when I see patients with chronic pain, yeah. I try to explain to them that all pain is is in the mind. That doesn't help, though, does it? No. That if I pinch my little finger, it is an illusion that the pain is in my finger. It is not in my finger, but really in my brain, an electrochemical pattern in the brain. Does that make sense? So does that yeah. mean you can eliminate pain? Well. Uh, it's I, like the Kung Fu boys. I actually oh. put this here. Pain don't hurt. Uh, Dalton, Roadhouse. You might not remember it. Roadhouse? Yeah. yeah. He's getting sewn up and she's like, do you want anesthetic? He's like, no, pain don't hurt. He lifts his yeah. arm up like that. Stitches yeah. him up there. Because oh, he can control the brain. That's like, like, you know, the Shaolin monk stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Train themselves with stabbing themselves in the gut five times a day. Yeah, they do. They're in sand. And yeah, jab their hands into sand yeah, like that. that's it. I feel no pain. No pain. That's what they say. Yeah. Uh, the phantom limb pain of an ampute amputated arm or leg can be excruciate, excruciating. You know, they're feeling pain, but there's no leg there. Yeah, they can feel their arms there. I know, I know. But most patients with chronic pain problems or conditions like chronic fatigue syndrome find this hard to accept. They feel that their symptoms are being dismissed, as they often are, if it is suggested that there is a psychological component to their problem mm. and that a phys physiological approach might help. Anyway, he goes on about this. But then he talks about this. This is why I want to pick this up. Today I want to cover this thing called, uh, he, he quotes in the book, doctors deal with probabilities, not certainties. Uh, I'm just going to pick this up. It's interesting. Yeah, and I thought we could play on that. Um, so he says, uh, so for an awake craniotomy, I mean, this is going to get a little bit fruity That's when now. they scoop, you scoop yeah. around in your brain when you're yeah. still awake. Yeah. I've watched, I've watched documentaries yeah. about that. Yeah, they're on YouTube. There's one where he was saying, you know, keep speaking, keep talking, you know, what are these things? And he's got, they're showing a picture of a goat. He goes, yeah, it's a goat. He already got his top of his head off. Yeah. Playing around with his trunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got the lid off. Yeah, that's a dog. Then, you know, I keep digging. And you go, what's that? It's a picture of a swan. He goes, yeah, it's an antelope. Yeah. I go, yeah, I think we've gone a bit far. Yeah, yeah. Put that bit back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Uh, so he says, so for an awake craniotomy, only the scalp needs to be anaesthetised and the rest of the operation is painless. Although patients find having their skulls drilled into very noisy, the skull acts like a sounding board. Yeah. Could you handle that? I think uh, I <laughs> Well, they've got to peel back a bit of skin, haven't they? Yeah, I'm up for that. No, if you're, like, you're leaning back. Like, so you're leaning back in your chair. Your head's in the headrest. And they they put the halo back. thing on you, don't they? Like, yeah, peel it. Right. Give me another sex. I can't feel me scalping. You know, peel it back. Yeah. You know, cut around my skull. Pull it off and dig around a bit. If I've got a tumour in my brain, cut it out. Yeah, thing is, it can't be, uh, it can't be that much different from the dentist. Hear me out on this. Wait, have you ever had that? Have you ever had a root canal? Yes, I have, yeah. In and they're drilling in down real deep. Yeah. And you can feel that through your whole head, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's similar. Yeah. Might yeah, not yeah, be, yeah. but... Yeah. No, I think it's... Uh, he's, but anyway, I therefore, I therefore usually do this part of the operation under a brief general anaesthetic. The patient is then woken up. But unlike normal operations where you wake up in a bed back on the hospital ward with an awake crani craniotomy, 
you wake up in the operating theatre in the middle of the operation. I mean, this is the stuff and horrors, nightmares. Yeah. Yeah. There are various ways of conducting the awake part of the operation. All involve using an electrode to stimulate the patient's brain, which mm. tells you where, in functional terms, you are on its surface. You'll be able to produce limb movement or interfere with their ability to talk as the electrode momentarily stimulates or stuns the relevant parts wow. of the brain. It's a little bit like pulling the strings of a puppet. Oh, it's mad, isn't it? You can be in someone's head. No. If we're saying to you, mate, hey, what, what, what are we going to have for tea tonight? You'll be like, oh, yeah, I like fish and chips. And, yeah, yeah, I'll have some no. cat food tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah tuna sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have raw dog. <laughs> yeah, I'll take some dog meat. <laughs> uh, right. So I wanted, anyway, that's setting the scene of the craniotomy. Oh, I wanted to, I wanted to read this to you. Um, I'm going to read this. So this is actually quite sobering. There's a, a young guy, a 26-year-old here, and he, he actually does die. But I wanted to read this to you because of the, the way the decision was brought about to let him die. Yeah. And this is what we're going to cover about yeah. probability versus certainties. Uh, back to the book. I would often be rung at night when I was on call in London. Although unlike Dev, so that's his partner, uh, I was not on call every night. The telephone would ring and I would be dragged out of sleep, often with a strange illusion that I'd chosen to wake up before the phone started ringing. Mm. Uh, these emergency cases were usually cerebral hemorrhages, bleeding into the brain caused by head injuries or a weakened blood vessel. And I had to decide whether the patient should be operated on or not. I mean, you're at home in bed and you get this call and someone's life's on the line. It's, yep. it's mad. Bad. Sometimes it was obvious that they would die if they did not undergo surgery and that they would make a good recovery after surgery. Sometimes it was obvious that they did not need surgery and would survive without it. And sometimes it was obvious that they would die whatever we did. But often it was not clear whether to operate and if you did, whether they would make a good recovery. Wow. Uh, you can rarely predict with absolute certainty from a brain scan what sort of recovery the patient might make. But if we operate on everybody, as some surgeons do, without any regard to the probable outcome, we will, we will create terrible suffering for some of the patients and even more for their families. So he gets this call. 26-year-old collapsed last night while in the shower. Okay, so then he gets this kind of is he responsive? No. Okay, send the x-ray through. So he gets a look at the x-ray and, and then we pick up the story. Uh, I couldn't get back to sleep and went into the hospital an hour later. The sun was rising over, over South London. A long line of bright orange seen through the hospital windows. The corridors were quiet and empty as it was so early in the morning, but the ITU was very busy and full of noise. The 12 beds were all occupied and the nursing shift was about to change over so there were many staff milling around the nurses' station. There was a forest of drip stands for intravenous fluids and, and syringe pumps and flashing monitors standing guard beside each bed. The constant sound of the monitors bleeping and the softer sighing sound of the ventilators doing the patient's breathing for them. The nurses were all talking, handing over their patients to each other. Uh, and we pick up this story, he goes to the bed. Hi, I'm Henry Marsh, the consultant responsible for Rob. Can we go talk? 
and he's chatting now to his brother. This guy, Rob, is the patient and the brother is in, in the room chatting with uh, Henry Marsh, the surgeon. We, sh- we shook hands and left Rob's bed to go to a small room used for interviews for breaking bad news. I signalled to one of the nurses to join us. My registrar appeared slightly out of breath. I didn't know you were going to come in this early, he said, and I gestured to the patient's brother to sit down and I sat opposite him. We need to have a very difficult conversation, I said. Is it bad? the brother asked, but he would have known already from my tone of voice that it was. He suffered a major bleed into his brain. The doctor here, he said, pointing to the registrar, said you had to operate. Well, I I replied, I'm afraid it's a bit more complicated than that. I went on to explain that if we operated and he survived, there was very little chance of his getting back to an independent life. You know him better than I do, I said. Would he want to be disabled in a wheelchair? He loved life. He went sailing. He had his own boat. Are you close to him? Yes. Our parents died when we were kids and we're best mates. Has he got a girlfriend? Not at the moment. He broke up recently. He sat with his hands between his knees looking at the floor and we sat in silence for several minutes. It's very important not to try to fill these sad silences with talking too much. I find it very difficult but have got a little better at it over the years. No chance, his brother asked me after a while looking up at me into my eyes. I doubt it, I replied, but to be honest, you can never be entirely certain. There was another long silence. He'd hate to be disabled. He told me that once. He'd rather be dead. I said nothing. Rob was my best friend. Well, I think it's the right decision, I said slowly. Even though neither of us had explicitly stated what we had decided. If he was a member of my family, that's what I would want. I've seen so many people with terrible brain damage and it's not a good life. So the decision was made and we did not operate and Rob died later that day at least he became brain dead the ventilator was switched off and his organs were used for transplantation I suppose it was just possible that I might have been wrong and he might have got back to some semblance of an independent life or perhaps his brother was wrong and Rob would have come to terms with being disabled or simply have had no insight into it and led a happy, minimal, conscious existence, no longer the person that he once was. Perhaps, Mm -hmm. perhaps. But doctors, this is the thing, but doctors deal with probabilities, not certainties. Sometimes if you are to make the right decision, you have to accept that you might be wrong. You may lose one patient with a good outcome, but save a far greater number and their families from great suffering. It's a difficult truth that even now I find it hard to accept. When I received phone calls at night about cases like this, if I told the surgeon on call in the hospital to operate, I would roll over and get back to sleep. If I told him not to operate and that it was better to let the patient die, I would lie awake until it was time to get up and go to work. I'm going to leave it there. I was just fascinated by this, this kind of moment that is, is common with so many people and even now people are making this decision in in hospitals to whether to operate to take the surgeon's best advice the best call yeah and 
and and to go with a, a, a you know an outcome and i was just really struck by that quote that doctors deal with probability but not certainties do you also think there's something else going on not necessarily in what you read there yeah but look we keep people alive for too long we just we just keep pumping treatment into people well, yeah and, and we could let them die yeah and what you think about that well that that is the balance here they were saying that he could go on to have some semblance of a life but be heavily disabled no, people are living longer because we keep pumping them for the stuff whereas years ago they would have died wouldn't they what life you know, get, well like years ago let's say I had some chronic illness you say look we've got this blue jelly we've got a red jelly let's see which one works yeah. you know, and pump the blue jelly in and that you know, didn't work Bosh, off you go. Yeah. Now we've got all this technology and just keep operating and doing yeah. stuff and just keep people going and going and going and going. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's... But there, but there is a... There's an expectation now in our society anyway that... We don't want to die. We don't want to die. No. Well, you're going to die. But but we don't talk... I don't think we talk necessarily yeah, we about don't, death. We don't handle death at all. No. We don't talk about it. It's, it's like the great big elephant in the room. Yeah. But you are, anyone listening, you are all going to die. You're going to yeah. die. Yeah. You're going to die. Yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. I know I'm going to die. It comes as such to think a about shock it more. to people. The more yeah, you think well, about the fact you're going to die, the more you're going to live your life well. Yeah, yeah. You squeeze juice out of it. You, you go to other countries like Brazil or, or well, you see countries in Africa. Everywhere. Yeah, we yeah. Hide, yeah we hide dead bodies. Yeah, we don't want to see it. I want to live forever. Don't show me that. And I, I'm going to try and solve the problem and I die just... No, Pop myself up outside. Yeah. Like, you know, sit me on a motorbike. <laughs> on the centre stand. Yeah. Yeah, just looking at everyone walking past. <laughs> you go, look, he's, he's looking a bit he's looking a bit pale. That bloke's dead. You know, he's looking a bit pale. That's funny. Sign round your neck. Saying just his nose just fell off. A reminder <laughs> to you of your mortality. That'd be my my lasting legacy. Yeah. So I'm just a, a rotting skeleton. You're all going this fire way. Blade. Yeah. yeah. Repent ye. <laughs> oh, it's a horrible picture. Maybe some like, kid will be walking past me, nose will fall Screaming off. Ear falls off. Look at that. Mummy's ears just fell off. I think he's dead, darling. That's a good reminder. We're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. Better get on living. Yeah. No, that's it. A little placard, a little yeah. stand beside me. Yeah. A little reminder. There's a, there's a Twitter account you can follow. This is a daily death reminder. <laughs> it says, you're going to, every day it just says, you're going to die. <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> oh! Just to say, we are Daily. laughing about death here. Obviously, it's a deep traumatic thing, but but we are saying it's an important narrative to have in our lives. Daily death reminders at death underscore reminder. He's got nineteen point two thousand followers, and he, every day just says, "You will die someday. <laughs> you will die someday." Every day, it's coming out. I might follow it. Be followed by loads daily of daily death reminder. Well, because it's basically saying to get the juice out of life. Yeah, squeeze it. Every day it gets about a thousand retweets. <laughs> it just says you will die someday. <laughs> I kind of like the. <laughs> but it's hey, a valid point. We're making a valid death point. reminder. Very good. Um, um, oh yeah. Anyway, back to your point. So well, yeah, well, there are. It's your old adage, isn't it? There are no guarantees. No. Well, I want because. The, the quote was, doctors deal with probabilities, not certainties. I wanted to challenge it and say Christians deal with certainties, not probabilities. Oh, hello. Hear me out on this. Yeah, come on. Uh, Hebrews 9.27. Yeah. And as it was appointed unto men once to die, 
Yeah. But after this, the judgment. Yeah. I mean, it's not a probability. I'm not going to skirt around that. It might not happen. It's happening. One death, judgment. Yeah. So we're dealing with a certainty there, aren't we? Yeah. And I'm only saying this because in our ministry to men with CVM, it's been shaped around certainty. Heaven, hell, salvation, the cross, mm. isn't it? Yeah. It's not the probability of salvation through the cross. It's salvation through the cross. Well, we deal with some certainties. Yeah. So we deal with some certainties. And yeah. We, we deal with some uncertainty, don't we? Yeah. The uncertainties we deal with are the manner and time of our death. Yeah. 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 The certainty is if you put your faith, trust, hope in Christ and you repent of your sin, yeah. you're going to be with Jesus. If you don't, you're not. Yeah. Take your chance. And the Bible's full of it, like Matthew 10. So the thing is, right. Go on. Sorry. You're going to say Matthew 10. No, but I'll just speak. The thing I was going to say, um, I think if you put your faith, hope, trust in Christ and you're repentant, yeah. daily walking in repentance, yeah. you've got no fear of death. Where are death is your victory? Where are death is your sin? Yeah, it's gone. Yeah, you can face a bad diagnosis. You can, you know, I had a little scare once and I remember walking out of the doctor's thinking, well, it's been all right. Yeah. I've had a good, good, good innings, you know. Yeah. Even, at, even at that age, I'm 40, yeah. 47 now. Dave, if you put your faith and confidence in Christ, what you got to worry about? Yeah. Don't matter if you're going to get your brain chopped up or... No. I've got, I'm, I'm with my God. This well, this life is but a, is a fleeting nanosecond in the yeah, scheme yeah. of eternity, isn't it? Yeah. But if you haven't, Put your faith and trust in Christ. You're going to worry about brain cancer. Well, it's that worry probability, about yeah. Maybe I will get it, maybe well, I won't. The, prob- the probability is that you're going to die and not very nicely. Yeah. <laughs> because we're keeping that's ourselves alive too thing. long. Yeah. That's going back to my original point. We People don't necessarily die well anymore. Would you want to know your death day, if you could? I like a surprise. Do you? Yeah. I mean, what if I did. What about the manner of your death? Uh, well, I mean, Peter was told a man of his death. Yeah, I know. Your hands will be outstretched. Yeah, it's you coming know. bad for you, Peter. Yeah, it's going to be bad. Real bad. Real bad. Yeah, so we don't want to know the man of my death. Um, now, I'll tell you what I know, because I'd always think, is this it? <laughs> yeah. Is this it? <laughs> yeah. is this, you know, do you know what I mean? Every moment that could be like it. You know, I crashed my car the other day, didn't I? I thought, is this it? Yeah. That'd be terrible. Oh. Um, I crashed my car and I had a dream I crashed my car even worse really I had a dream I was driving along the motorway and someone pulled out in front of me and I smashed into it and I was scraping down the motorway God and I woke damn. up it was so vivid wow but I wasn't my wife was next to me and I was all cosy in bed but it was shocking yeah scary that. yeah um, let me give you another certainty to finish on John 14 3 and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Praise the Lord. Come on. That's the certainty I'm hanging on to. It's the only one we need. The only certainty you need is the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah. The rest of it. Praise the Lord, mate. Keep the rest, can't you? Yeah. You can flip the lid on my head, poke around in my brain. Don't care. Can you get your tattoo then? Yeah, I'm going to get my tattoo. Do it. God's prepared a place for me. Yes. And me, brother, I'll see you there. See you there. See you there, mate. Thanks for listening.